0: When will GDPR show its teeth? Common GDPR misconceptions in the US and the EU? And ongoing issues with the eternal blue export? These stories and more in this week's ISMG Security Report. Hello, I'm Nick Holland. Last week was the ISMG Fraud and Breach Prevention Summit in Toronto one of the sessions that caught my attention was by Richard Henderson, CTO of North America for InfoSec Global, on where things stand with Europe's General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, a quarter of a year on from enforcement going into effect. I had the opportunity to interview Richard ahead of his presentation and asked him, so what has happened thus far? Here's Richard.
1: Well, not a heck of a lot, really. Right. Um you know, I've been writing and speaking about GDPR for a long time, for years now, and I had really expected after May that some country in the EU was going to pick a target and really smack them hard on the hands with a huge fine. Obviously, we know with GDPR, the the, the, the ability for massive fines are out there. Mm-hmm. It's up to 4% of a company's annual global revenue. Uh, or 20 million euros, whichever is higher, so for big multinationals, Mm. it can be a huge amount of money. I really expected we were gonna see it. We haven't seen it yet, why haven't we seen it yet? Well, in reality, the EU requires each individual nation Mm. to do the enforcement on the EU's behalf. Well, most of the nations in the EU just don't have the resources, they don't have the time, they don't have the money, to to really deal with enforcement yet. Now they've had to make some hard decisions. Are they gonna prioritize outreach? or mm-hmm. Are they gonna prioritize, prioritize enforcement? Um, the vast majority of them so far are prioritizing outreach. They don't want to smack someone's hands down. And yeah. ultimately that's been, uh, you know, the silver
0: lining in this So it's, it's carrot not stick at this yeah, point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, we, we've just had clearly, obviously, the, the British Airways data breach. Do you think that's the, point at which we're gonna see GDPR like, show its teeth?
1: It could very well be. Um, the ICO, the Information Commissioner's mm. Office in the UK, has publicly stated in the past that intent really matters when it comes to these sorts of things. Um, um, how how negligent was BA when it came to this incident? If they can show that, that their intent was good and they really tried to make sure they were protecting customers' data, um, they may just you know, issue some, some requirements for BA to do better in the future and, and monitor them or audit them a little bit closer in the future and make sure it doesn't happen. BA could be the test case. Mm-hmm. Based on what's happened the last few months, I don't think we're going to see a significant financial penalty, but who knows which way the wind's blowing going forward. Right,
0: we'll see. I mean, I think, again, it's, it seems imminent that they need to show that it has got... The, the the capacity to, to be punitive.
1: Someone's going to be the test case. The Correct. question is, who is it going to be and when is it going to happen? You're listening to the ISMG Security Report on ISMG Radio. ISMG, your number one source for information security
0: news. Staying on the subject of GDPR, ISMG's executive editor, Healthcare Info Security, Marianne Culbersuk-McGee, spoke this week with Elizabeth Harding of the law firm Polsinelli. Elizabeth practices in both the US and the UK. So Samarin asked her if there are any common misconceptions for both regions around the regulation. Here's Elizabeth's response.
2: I think there are some common misconceptions around GDPR. I think one of, the, one of the biggest common mistakes I'm seeing is around the lawful basis for processing. Under GDPR, you have to have this lawful basis to process, and that can come from the one ev- everybody talks about is consent, but you can also have a lawful basis to process data if it's necessary for performance of a contract or if it's in the company's legitimate business interest or various other pointers. A lot of companies, and particularly those that don't take legal advice, just rely on consent for all processing. And that's risky. It's not necessary because oftentimes there is a different basis for processing. But it's risky from two fronts. One, there are very clear requirements around how consent should be obtained and how it should be documented. And a lot of companies don't comply with those. And then there's also a right for an individual to withdraw their consent to processing. So if you have, as a business, collected information for something that you really need to collect it for to be able to provide a service to the individual, but you've collected it on the basis of consent, that individual has the right to come back and say, no, I don't want you to process that anymore. And that leaves a mess. So I'd say that's the biggest issue that's common to the U.S. and the U.K. In the U.S., I'm seeing a lot of businesses really struggle with, again, on this lawful basis for processing. I was just looking at something for a client, and they talked about needing to retain data to be able to comply with their legal obligations, and they're a purely U.S.-based company. Well, the lawful basis for processing based on compliance with legal obligation actually only applies to legal obligations in the EU. So that's a misconception that US companies are really falling foul of. And it sounds like a technical detail, but you know, if there's a problem and the regulators want to look under the hood of a company, one of the first things they ask is, "Okay, what is your lawful basis for processing data?" And you can't try to retrofit that. If you've got it wrong, then there are going to be issues around that. Finally, the eternal
0: blue exploit that enabled the massively disruptive Warner ransomware outbreak of 2017 is living up to its eternal name, with a recent crypto miner attack on a major U.S. company. Here's ISMG's managing editor, Security and Technology, Jeremy Kirk, with the details.
3: The word Eternal, in the nickname for one of the fearsome exploits that fueled the explosion of the WannaCry ransomware, is unfortunately proving to be all too appropriate. WannaCry infected upwards of 300,000 computers worldwide in May 2017. It was so potent because it used a leaked NSA exploit called Eternal Blue. The exploit took advantage of a vulnerability in Microsoft's server message block protocol, which is present on virtually all Windows machines. But even before WannaCry began its rampage, Eternal Blue was used to spread cryptocurrency mining software. And even though a patch has long been available for the SMB vulnerability, Eternal Blue is still being effectively used to spread a cryptocurrency miner. Cybersecurity company Cyber Reason says a Fortune 500 company ended up with 2,000 infected endpoints and dozens of infected domain controllers. They were infected with a cryptocurrency miner called Wanamine. Wanamine mines a privacy-focused virtual currency called Monero that can still be generated using off-the-shelf hardware. It's an attack that, at least in theory, should not be happening, especially at large enterprises. Cyber Reason says the problems for the Fortune 500 company started when the attackers found a server vulnerable to Eternal Blue. From there, it progressed to a style of fileless attack, where the attackers converted to using Microsoft's PowerShell scripting language and Windows Management Instrumentation to spread to other machines on the network. WannaMine's code isn't terribly sophisticated. For example, those behind it have simply taken publicly available code, such as Pincastle, which is a security auditing tool, and wrapped it into WannaMine. Much of the PowerShell code in it was taken from public GitHub repositories. Cryptocurrency mining programs aren't necessarily harmful. They work silently in the background, generating hashes in hopes of completing a block of Monero transactions. But it does expend extra electricity, and in some cases could potentially cause performance problems. The Fortune 500 company affected by this is lucky in many respects. Those who successfully infected its computers could have done something far worse. With the access allowed by exploiting Eternal Blue, they could have placed wiper malware on machines or used it to steal data. And backdoor access to a Fortune 500 company probably would have netted a larger payout on the black market rather than using the company's machines to mine Monero. But this company's misfortune shows it just takes one oversight and one unpatched machine to create a big problem. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Jeremy Kirk. That's it for this week's ISMG Security
0: Report. The music is by Ithaca Audio. I'm Nick Holland. Catch you next time.